Welcome to the Nifty Podcast presented by Partyfish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all over the world. Film starts here at the virtual Nifty 2020 from Seattle, Washington. My name is Kevin Connor, and I'm one of the senior programmers for Nifty. And today we've got a good one. On the other line, we have a couple of filmmakers from this year's festival. So without any further ado, uh, please introduce yourself and let us know the name of your film and the role you had in making it. Hi, my name is Kira Dane, and I was one of the co-directors on Musical. Hi, my name is Caitlin Rubello, and I was the other co-director on the film Musical. Well, Kira and Caitlin, thank you so much for being here, and we're excited to to talk about Musical, um, which played in our Art in Motion screening um, at this year's uh, festival. Uh, right off the bat, I was kind of hoping you could set the scene here um, for your film and give us some context for if there are any listeners who maybe haven't had the opportunity to, to catch it quite yet. Yeah, so Mizuko is um, my own personal story about when I had to get an abortion. Um, and it's inspired by Buddhist rituals that exist in Japan for people who've had abortions so they can properly grieve. Um, and so uh, when I discovered these, these rituals through my Japanese heritage, I was really moved by them because of how we deal with with abortion in the U.S., it's just so completely different from from what's being done um, in these rituals. And so Caitlin and I partnered up to sort of make an experimental film to tell that story. Yeah, and there's obviously a lot to, to, to dive in off of that, but thank you for, for laying that, that context for us. Um, I, I want to first kind of highlight one of the most uh, striking aspects of the film and and that's kind of like maybe it's changes in in medium um we're we're looking at kind of like this mix of of live footage of of photographs drawings water color animations maybe even frame by frame i was wondering if you if you all could speak to kind of uh all the different ways you chose to tell the story to us and some of the processes you took to kind of get that final product what we see uh in in the, the film yeah, so the film is uh, using a combination of, like you said, watercolor animation, stop motion animation, and Super 8 film. Um, and we did this all very intentionally, and each medium that we used was supposed to represent a different aspect of the film. Um, so the entire film was based off of an essay that Kira wrote. And in that essay, it not only talked about her experience having an abortion in New York, but also kind of went into her childhood memories in Japan and just kind of these reflections on her relationship to life and death um, in relation to this Buddhist ritual. And so we kind of wanted to, to tackle all of these concepts and knew that that was going to be a very difficult thing to do in a short film. And to help piece it together, we kind of thought that using these different mediums to express these different ideas would be probably not the easiest way, but the way that made the most sense for us. Um, so the watercolor animation is used to kind of, in the beginning, represent Kira's own memories in Japan and kind of these bright and uh, colorful memories that kind of go into her relationship to her own body as a kid that really contrasts to the scenes in New York when she's taking the subway to get an abortion, where we see the stop motion of, you know, ripping paper that has her own body on it. 
Um, so it was kind of meant to act as this like visceral confrontation of her own body. Um, and then we also had the Super 8 footage, which kind of went in and showed the uh, what was kind of happening in present day. So it, it goes on the subway to the abortion clinic and then also goes to Japan uh, where Kira performs the Musico Kuyo ritual. Um, so with all of this, we kind of kept things separate in the beginning and then by the end, all of the mediums merged together uh, and we wanted to point to a few different things with that. I mean, so with these mediums too, we also had two different languages running throughout the film um, and it's in both English and Japanese. And by the end, we have the medium shown in the opposite language that they initially started in. Um, so it kind of talks about the blending of Kira's own identity with the Buddhist ritual and the experience of having an abortion in Japan. And also this the like inability to separate mind and body and kind of pointing to the inability to kind of like separate any views of abortion in a clean way. So everything intentionally gets very messy at the end. Thank, thank you. That, that's a wonderful answer. There's just so many uh, of the different aspects of this film uh, that you both have made all these decisions uh, and use as an example, a different aspect, a different way to, to tell this story. And I think that, you know, with the way you were talking about the different mediums and how you use them at the beginning of the film versus how you use them at the end and all the different iterations of what you just said are so, so interesting. But what strikes me about all, all of uh, the production and the stories you, you mentioned about, about getting this made is all these different decisions that you both have to kind of talk about and sign off on, whether it be like what language to use between English and Japanese or, or what medium to use as well. How, how do you all figure that out being, you know, co-directors, being, you know, creating this project together? How are you making all of these? There are an infinite ways to make this, this story, I feel like. How do you discuss what might be best for the way both of you uh, are going to make it? Yeah, it was definitely a struggle, um, not only because we were, you know, trying to make all those decisions, but also because we were co-editing and co-producing um, and just both of us were wearing a lot of hats for this film. Um, so sometimes it was kind of hard to sort of, because we were juggling so much, it was really hard to to make sort of final decisions on everything because we, we all we had was kind of each other to go off of. Um, and on top of that, it's my personal story. So there's times where I was probably um, difficult because I was, you know, always kind of a little bit embarrassed to be sort of throwing my own voice out there. When we first started this film, we thought it was just going to be something we make in our spare time and throw up on YouTube. But when we got a grant from Tribeca, it all became very real and very um, exciting, but also scary. So um, the, the writing process and the sort of pre-production process was about a year, I think, of us just kind of um, in our spare time getting together and going over writing and thinking about how we can structure it. Um, but anyways, d during the whole film, yeah, it was just very much a process of trusting each other and trying to, trying to always step outside of it enough to, to think about what's best for the film and what makes most sense um and then we also had a lot of support from Tribeca uh from from the grant program they were really great they just 
they never um, really f imposed their own comments or edits on everything. They they just gave us advice and um, said, you know, you can take it or leave it. But they were always super, super helpful. Yeah, I mean, I think on top of that, we also just went to our friends a lot and kind of asked their opinions. And that was really helpful throughout the entire thing. Because like Kira said, we were wearing so many different hats. It was difficult to kind of take a step out of it and look at it again as somebody who's watching for the first time. Um, so for, I mean, we started the pre-production or the, you know, before we got the grant and we were kind of figuring everything out was a year, but then there was the full year after that of production too. And for those full two years, we were going to our friends pretty consistently and just asking them their opinions. And I think that really did shape the film in a lot of ways. You both kind of mentioned this this balance, this, this balance the film has between, um, you know, Kira's personal uh, experience with abortion and then also presumably this kind of cultural information as well that you want to depict and is an important aspect. Um, and I want to ask you both about about these categories, but in terms of the, the cultural experience and, and these, these Buddhist rituals, um, are these things that that you both are familiar with growing up, or these things that uh, you you have come around to later in life that you're doing research on while you're making this film? What does that side of this kind of look like? I was not raised Buddhist. Um, my mother's side of the family is my Japanese side, and she comes from a Buddhist background. My aunts and uncles are Buddhist, but. Um, she raised me very much without religion or um, spirituality very much. But the thing in Japan is that even if you're not religious, you, you kind of soak in a lot of customs and sort of religious rituals without even knowing it. And so part of this film was about that and about how I, when I did come to this ritual when, as an adult, it felt like I was kind of coming home to myself in a little bit, in a, in a little way. Like it felt like I really related to it in a way where I couldn't find anything in the U S that I could relate to in terms of abortion. And, and I think it did come from the fact that I grew up sort of soaking in a lot of Buddhist teachings without really realizing it through Japanese culture. So I had been sort of studying Buddhism um, in the years leading up to it. And I wouldn't call myself an expert in Buddhism at all. I'm still very much kind of a newcomer. But um, what was great is this film kind of acted as the first uh, stepping stone into, into my own studies of Buddhism. And I probably would consider myself a Buddhist if I were asked. For myself, I kind of in the opposite side of that. I was raised Catholic. Um, so I grew up with a lot of pro-life ideology surrounding me um, and had not heard of this ritual before starting to work on the film. Um, so there was a lot of research that I did and that we both did before, not just to learn about this ritual, but also I had a lot to learn about Buddhism in general and Japanese culture. Um, so that was kind of the first year that we were starting to work on this. I was also really just learning about this entirely new thing that I hadn't heard of before. But I also think the way that we shaped this film, we always had a U.S. audience in mind when making it. And we kind of wanted to be able to speak to people who might be pro-life um, and also pro-choice. 
So I think we took a lot of, you know, what I experienced growing up as well and tried to make the film accessible to those people as well um, and to make it accessible to anyone who might watch it. Definitely. We've kind of gotten glimpses of the overarching story of how this film came to be. It sounds like uh, there was there was an early essay with the uh, the maybe the monologue. I'm, I'm not uh, as sure. Maybe some of the the lines that Kira wrote uh, earlier. And then, can you guys walk me through the Tribeca Grant Program? Kind of all the the steps that you know took you to the the festival circuit. That, that led you here um, that, that you and your, your film have made to get here or to get to uh, finish. Cause that's, that's quite a feat. And it sounds like there's some good stuff along the way. Yeah. So we had uh, just graduated college and we both had separate jobs and we, you know, we were just sort of meeting in our spare time. Like I said earlier, um, the essay was kind of the first step. It was me just writing down all of my um, thoughts about how abortion is seen in the U.S. compared to this ritual. Um, And it was a very long process to try to trim it down and to get it concise and to make it make sense for the monologue for the film. But the grant we got, we we knew that we needed funding for this to make it work. And so we were just applying the grants left and right. um, And we saw... Uh, Tribeca had this program called the If Then Shorts program, and it was really perfect for um, what we wanted to do. So we applied, and um, we got called, or yeah, we, we got a call back to to be one of the finalists to actually pitch the film. And it was really terrifying for us because it was a um, it was an in person pitch in front of a panel of judges uh, during Doc NYC, the festival in New York, and um, it was at the IFC center and open to open to the public. So it was just an audience and, and we had to, you know, sit in front of a podium and talk about this film and talk about why we wanted to make it. Um, all stuff we had never done before, all very terrifying. Um, but we really practiced and practiced and practiced. And we, um, had about a month to have a, write out a speech and, um, we just stood up in front of each other and recited it over and over until we could do it without notes. Um, and yeah, the day came along, we were freaking out, but <laughs> we, uh, we pitched it and then we got the grant and it was a very glorious moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's, then we sort of realized, okay, now we have to actually make it. Um, and so we had, about a year, about a year to make it, a little less. Um, yeah. And Tribeca was just really great. It's it's really devastating that um, the Institute has sort of gone under during COVID um, because they, they were just so amazing every step of the way. There's mentors that we met there who were just so kind and um, I would really consider as like friends now. So, um, yeah, that was sort of the process. Yeah, I just want to add that the If Then program still exists, yes. which is really, really great. Um, but it's now through Field Division, and it's the same people that we worked with while we were there who are still there. Um, so, yeah, it, it was just really incredible working with them because this was our first film, and it was really difficult to find grants 
to that were given to first-time filmmakers mm-hmm. um, and they were kind of the only one who felt like they would take a chance on us even though we hadn't made anything before and yeah it was just a really incredible experience um yeah and I guess we can get into the process after as well if you want it was a long one (laughs) up to you I mean it sounds incredible like having to to being public and then having like kind of everything get down um to the wire on that it sounds incredible but i mean it, i i'm just super i i think about you know what if this maybe didn't like get funded like you were talking about how if then still still hanging on through covid and that's great and it's a silver lining but that's uh, it's something that you know i'm just very thankful that that it worked out like this that we got uh i got your your guys's films and and was able to to come through fruition for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure between the kind of the essay uh, and the pitching and then also just the making of the film and then finalizing that both of you have seen it a number of times by now. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm always curious if you have uh, a different experience or you notice new things not just from when you started the project, but from when you actually fin- finished it. Um, if since you finished it, if you if you look back and see something through a different perspective or notice anything new, I'm always curious about that. What I guess what relationship do you guys have uh, with, with your film currently? That's such a good question. <laughs> um, it's really complicated because I think both of us are really uh, self-critical. And um, I think it can be easy if you're an artist to feel like that, that being self-critical is validated because you're, you feel like you want to make the best possible thing, but it can be really hard on, you know, your own mental health. If you're just like spending all of your time feeling like this, like thing that's so imperfect needs to be perfect, which is not possible. Um, So I think during the process of making it, our relationship to it had a lot of ups and downs. Um, And especially, you know, since it's for me, my own personal project uh, or my own personal story, um, it's really hard to watch and feel like I can simultaneously understand what someone who doesn't know me would perceive it as, you know, like if someone, someone who I've never met before, just a stranger um, in the audience would watch it, how they would feel about it. But, you know, as a filmmaker, you have to try to try to figure that out. You have to try to figure out how someone would listen to your story, um, with fresh eyes. So, um, I was constantly trying to detach myself from, from the story and figure that out. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there are points in the process where I would watch it and I'd feel like oh my god this is finally coming together and I'd feel really good about it and then a week later I would feel not good about it at all Um, but I think that's part of just part of the process I think yeah I mean I think I feel very similarly and it's really hard for me to even appreciate anything within like the year that it's made so I feel like for the first time now you know we premiered it at IDFA at the end of 2019 and I feel like now I can finally look at it and see it without all of my past judgments of you know what we could have done better or like where things could have been different and where it may have made more sense um and can now just kind of like sit and appreciate it for what it is 
but yeah it was really hard to watch over and over again and Kira and I always talked about like how do people make features when they you know it's so long and you have to watch it over and over and over so yeah I think yeah (laughs) definitely a feat yeah um and and did you both say this was your guys's first first film first film out of college yeah that's 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 crazy can you can you guys talk about um kind of where that your filmmaking journey began if there was either a moment or a series of moments um that that led you to to making this or led you down this path for me i grew up wanting to be a filmmaker i um had my mom's um a cassette tape video, eight millimeter cassette tape video camera. And I actually got all of them digitized uh, a week ago. So I've just been going down this hole of watching all these things. But, um, but yeah, I used to just play around on it a lot when I was a kid. And um, I have, uh, I was really into horror movies back then. So I have like a, a psycho shower stabbing scene from when I was like nine with me and my friend. It's like very tame. It's, it's a lot less grotesque than it sounds, but uh, I had a lot of fun just playing around back then. And, and then I knew I wanted to go to film school. So I, I applied to NYU for film and got in. Um, and that was, that was that pretty much. Yeah. And I think I initially, I kind of had the idea that I wanted to be a journalist And that morphed to also being interested in art and graphic design and trying to find kind of a balance between that and that became documentary film. Um, What I, what really shifted after college for me is I always had the intention of being a cinematographer and that's kind of all I wanted to do. And once I graduated is when I decided that I wanted to try directing as well. So this was really the first project outside of like, you know, smaller uh, films that I made in school that I, I felt like I had a chance to actually direct with Kira and yeah I'm very grateful for that and we're grateful too yeah it's uh, uh that's 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 a good look in for both of you at, at where this all began um what's what's next for you both Do you, is is the most recent project that you guys have been a part of or is there stuff in the works do you know what's going on in the future because i don't just a little like where <laughs> where what stage are you guys at we're in the process of making a new film together uh which is really exciting it's a short documentary uh we're just kind of trying to figure out how it's going to be done during covid like so many things um yeah, Kira, do you want to talk about what it is at all? Um, yeah, so it's basically the the distribution that we got through Topic. Um, part of the deal was that this program within Topic is curated by filmmaker Roger Ross Williams, and um, he would allow every each of the twelve filmmakers um, or filmmaking teams to pitch a new idea for a film, and then. Um, one story would get selected to, to get a grant from um, his production company and we would make it um, in partnership with his production company. So um, yeah, we pitched a film to him and we got the grant. So the, uh, the film is basically about how different ways that light is controlled and, and um, manipulated by people in New York City um, in ways that kind of psychologically affects people without them really knowing it. 
Um, so I know that sounds kind of vague, but we, we're going to have different vignettes within this short film um, to talk about how light can affect people in that way. So, you know, one of them is how um, there are these blue light bathrooms that um, where the, the lights in the bathrooms are blue in like clubs to prevent people from using needles um, because they can't see their own veins in the bathroom. And um, so that's one of them. Another one is, you know, there's a huge housing project um, be, being, uh, sorry, not housing project. There's a huge sort of condominium project being built across from um, the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens. And that's going to block sunlight from a lot of the the plants in the garden. So um, we're going to talk about how that might affect the residents who visit, you know, that garden. Um, so there's going to be about five vignettes, um, all kind of told throughout the course of one day from um, sunset to sunrise. That, that's so <laughs> exciting. It sounds so great. Um, you know, congrats to you both. It sounds like this is relatively uh, new, newer information. So congrats. That's great. I'm excited to, uh, you know, see it as it as you guys figure out how to get it, get it going. Um, if people want to kind of keep up with, you know, your own work, future projects, or, or see any of your past projects, you know, where should they look online? Is there a place where they can can follow you individually, jointly, or follow the film? We have an Instagram for the film, which we update the most, um, which is just Musical Film on Instagram. Um, and we also have a Facebook, same handle. Um, in terms of personal websites, I, my website is just kiradane.com. And uh, my Instagram is kira.dane. Yeah, and mine is also very simple. It's just my name, caitlinrubello.com uh, for my website. And then on Instagram, it's my last name, rubello, K-E, and Vimeo as well. It's just my name. Well, Kira and Caitlin, thank you so much for taking time out of your day today to talk with us. We're, we're so honored to be able to play your film, uh, and we're so excited that we are able uh, to get some answers to some questions on it and, and get it out to our network. Thank you for, for coming uh, and, and, and sitting down with us. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Of course, of course. And, and thank you for listening. Um, for more information on Nifty 2020, the talented youth and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or on Instagram at Nifty Film. For more podcasts from Party Fish Media, search Party Fish Media wherever you listen to podcasts or follow us on social media at Party Fish Media. Catch you next time. Media. Party Fish Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliott Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.